Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Good evening, children of the night. We have completed our journey from Chicago to Virginia. As I sat down to think of a bit of scary history from Old Dominion to share with you all, I had to pause and think, the Commonwealth isn't where I'm from, so I don't really know any of its spooky history. Sure, lots of settlers, revolutionary, and Civil War type stuff, but as far as serial killers, cryptozoology, demons, or just downright unsolved mysteries, I couldn't think of a single one. So I did a little digging, and surprisingly, the mysteries aren't as forthcoming as I'd like. However, I did find one that I did like. In 1925, a train tunnel in Richmond at Churchill collapsed, in which several people died. During the collapse, there were people who witnessed a monstrous human form running out of the collapsing tunnel. It was then chased to Hollywood Cemetery, where it sought refuge in a mausoleum marked W. W. Pool. This tunnel collapse must have disturbed a vampire, and since then, the Richmond vampire has been haunting the former capital of the Confederacy. Tonight's longer story is written by our old friend, Alan Baxter. Alan Baxter is a British-Australian author who writes dark fantasy, horror, and sci-fi, rides a motorcycle, and loves his dog. He also teaches kung fu. He lives among dairy paddocks on the beautiful south coast of New South Wales, Australia, with his wife, son, dog, and cat. Read extracts from his novels, a novella and short stories at his website, www.warriorscribe.com, or find him on Twitter, at Alan Baxter, and Facebook. And feel free to tell him what you think about anything. He is the author of the dark urban fantasy trilogy Bound, Obsidian, and Abduction, the Alex Kane series, uh, Harper Voyager and the dark urban fantasy duology, Realm Shift and Mage Sign, 
The Balance 1 and 2, Griffin's Wood Press. He co-authored the short horror novel Dark Right with David Wood. Allen also writes short fiction with more than 60 stories published in a variety of journals and anthologies in Australia, the U.S., the U.K., and France. His short fiction has appeared in Fantasy and Science Fiction, Beneath Ceaseless Skies, Daily Science Fiction, Postscripts, and Midnight Echo, among many others, and more than 20 anthologies, including the year's best Australian fantasy and horror, 2010 and 2012. Alan also writes narrative arcs and dialogues for video games and wrote the popular writer's resource, Write the Fight Right, a short ebook about writing convincing fight scenes. He has twice been a finalist in the Ditmar Awards. And of course, links will be in the show notes. And now, Alan Baxter's Dream Shadows. The blonde laughed, a soft tinkling sound. Tall and beautiful, Craig knew her from somewhere. A famous model, perhaps. He slouched on a banana lounge, sipping a cocktail, admiring the lights and architecture of the city skyline. Craig Thompson, he said as she passed. Want to join me? You really should try, uh, whatever this is I'm drinking. The blonde smiled. Her smile grew wider. And wider. Her teeth shifted, elongating as her eyes became black. Her mouth opened, revealing row upon row of razor points. With a spasm, her spine curved up, rolling her shoulders forward, her hands extending into long, thin talons. With a cry, Craig dropped his drink and staggered to his feet. This wasn't supposed to be happening. He knew he was dreaming. He always knew. He struggled to change her back, but nothing happened. Laughter stuttered out of her like gunshots into thick tar. She lumbered forward, reaching for him. Not happening, he yelled, desperate to wipe her away completely, but she kept coming. Craig brought all his will to bear and ordered the dream to finish, determined to wake up. The hideous parody of the blonde began to fade and he felt something sucking away from him. Some presence drew back, slipping out of his dreamscape, a thing that should not be there. He refused to let it go, tried to pull it back into his dream, the better to see what it was, but it was strong. Like a riptide, it pulled him with it as it tore from his dream. His mind stretched, images and sounds fracturing, spinning away. With a gasp he awoke. He sat up and saw a dark shadow scurry from the open window of his bedroom. Craig scrambled from the bed. Falling to his hands and knees, he lunged forward, leaning out into the warm summer night. His brand new patch of lawn, a dark square of neatly trimmed green, was bathed in wan moonlight. His eyes scanned to the shrubbery at the back fence, newly planted, tagged still on the trunks of some, and he saw the shadow again. Vaguely man-shaped, bent and scrawny, arms too long, legs too short, it pressed up against the unblemished new wood of the fence and vanished, melting through the planks. Craig panted, staring, heart hammering. Wide awake, he pulled on shorts and an old t-shirt and clambered out the window. He went to the fence, looked over into the bushland beyond. With a thump in his chest, he saw the scrawny bent shadow standing in the trees, not twenty metres away, watching him. Who are you? As he scrambled over the fence, the thing vanished. Wincing at the dry sharpness of gum leaves and twigs against his bare feet, he ran to where it had stood. Nothing was there. 
Sure it wasn't a roo or something? Craig hitched an eyebrow, elbows propping him against the bar, his glass condensing on a stained beer mat. Really, Kate, you think I couldn't tell if it was a roux? Kate looked at her drink, her dark bob of hair swinging down to veil her eyes. You said yourself you were dreaming. It was right at the window. When I saw it, it bolted and went through the fence. Not over it, through it. Kate shrugged. You're not trying to give me a hard time for selling you the place, are you? She looked up, green eyes playful, a tiny smile tugging one side of her mouth. Craig couldn't help smiling back. Of course not. That reconnected us after all these years. Even if the house was crap, I still wouldn't change that. Kate's smile escaped the side of her mouth. She looked away, eyes scanning the fridges of premium beers behind the bar. So what was it then? Dunno. When I looked over the fence, it was standing there watching me. Then it just vanished. Rather than offer any explanation, Kate sipped her pink alcopop straight from the bottle. Craig watched her, drank his beer, lost in thought. The bustle of the pub faded, the deranged electronic songs of the pokies muffled as he admired her. Two months ago he'd been second-guessing his decision to move back to his hometown, wondering if it really was the change he needed or a step backwards. Then he went to look at a house and a brand new development on the suburb's edge, and who should arrive to show him around but gawky little Katie Pierce? Only she wasn't so gawky anymore. The girl he teased at school had become a very beautiful woman, radiant smile replacing chunky braces, inviting curves supplanting boyish straight lines. The local girl made good. The idea of moving back near where he'd grown up had a whole new appeal. He'd come back to look at the house a second time, as much to see her again as the house. The third time they were together in the house, it was to sign contracts, and they'd sealed the deal passionately right there on the brand new kitchen counter. Now he wondered how much he could really tell her about last night. Would she think he was mad? He guessed that most people would. He tried to picture the thing again. All he could see was the silhouette of it. Even though it had stood for a moment in moonlight, it was nothing but an inky shadow. Kate stood from her bar stool. I have to get back to work. Sure, you got more haunted houses to shift. She pushed Craig in the chest, then caught his shirt and pulled him back to her, planting a kiss on him. I'll come over later? Maybe it'll come back and you can show me. I'm not sure I want it to come back or for you to see it. Kate ran a hand through Craig's sandy hair down onto his freckled cheek. We'll talk about it later. Enjoy your day off. Craig watched her go, counting his lucky stars, thankful that he'd met her again right after she'd told her previous loser boyfriend to take a running jump. He'd needed to shake things up, force a change from his stuck-in-a-rut life. Now he had a house of his own. He had Katie. All certainly changed for the better. Still staring at the door long after she'd disappeared into the sunshine, he swallowed the last of his beer. He stood at the rickety gate and smiled. Even now, grown as he was, this place was comfort. Peeling weatherboard, cobweb-covered sash windows, rusting tin roof, all just like it had ever been.
The front door stood open behind a tattered screen, the house cool and dark. Hello, Aunt Betty? A short, fat, floral dress appeared at the end of the hallway. Craig? Hi, how are you? Not dead yet. Too stubborn to die. It's good to see you. You need something? Craig opened the screen and stepped inside. It's a bit embarrassing, really. The old woman disappeared back into the depths of her house, voice floating back to him through the gloom. Nothing can embarrass me, love. Craig took a deep breath, tasting lavender and overboiled greens, nostalgia on the air. He turned into the dark lounge room as his aunt slumped into a worn armchair and muted the TV. She flapped a hand at him. Come in. Craig smiled. I hope I'm not disturbing you. Nah, just sitting in the cool waiting for something interesting to come on the telly. Craig sat on the edge of an old sofa covered with a faded floral design like his great-aunt's dress, feeling like a fool. Sorry it's been a while since I visited. You're a great man with a life. I don't mind. Craig took a deep breath. I remember when I lived here after Mum and Dad died, you used to tell me the best bedtime stories. Aunt Betty shook her head, her eyes wet. Too young, Craigie. You lost them too young. But you were here. I'm your dad's aunt. Family. What about my stories? Craig rubbed a hand over his face. When I was little, this place was a bit scary for me. Suddenly living here, not really understanding where mum and dad had gone, why I couldn't go home. But your stories used to make me feel better. You'd tell me a story and then you'd turn out the light and I'd lie there scared again. To get to sleep I used to shut my eyes and pretend the story was real, that I was the hero. It got to the point where I could fall asleep and dream your stories, controlling what happened. I've been able to do it ever since. It's called lucid dreaming. Aunt Betty's eyebrows raised. You never told me this before. Craig shrugged. It seemed kind of private. So why tell me now? Something really weird happened last night and I need to talk to someone about it. You know I moved into my new place last week. Betty made a wry face. You told me you were going to be moving in sometime around now. She shook her head. Like a cancer, these new land releases, eating away the bush. Everything's changing. She held up her hand. Not that I hold it against you. Everyone needs a place to live. I remember when this house was surrounded by paddocks instead of neighbours, that's all. Now there's a thousand houses between me and the trees. Craig nodded. Trouble is, ever since I moved in there, my dreams have been out of whack. Last night I had a terrible nightmare and saw some kind of weird creature outside my window when I woke up. Weird creature? You were probably still dreaming. But he looked uncomfortable. Craig shook his head, staring at the threadbare carpet. No, definitely not. Do you know any legends about weird creatures in this area? Betty laughed. The only weird creatures I know are all these Asians moving in and taking over the shops. She laughed again at Craig's shocked expression. Don't worry, you know I'm not a racist, I'm only pulling your leg. 
Craig chuckled, not entirely sure just how racist the old lady may or may not be. She had grown up in a very different country to the one he knew. I mean, well, actual creatures like... He slumped. I've no idea what I mean. You're talking about a bunyip or something. Hmm, maybe. But not really a feral beast. This thing was more intelligent, I think. Like it was after me. You were making a new life with your job and all that? Why did you come back here? I told you before, I wanted to own my own home, my own piece of the country. No way I can afford to in the city. I had to look in the suburbs. I guess I thought it would be cool to come back near where I grew up, near you, and where I could get a brand new house, bush right over the back fence. I'm still making a new life. And you found Katie Pierce too, didn't you? Not so little anymore. Aunt Betty! Betty cackled, hauled herself up and disappeared through a clicking bead curtain, colourful drops of plastic over a faded linoleum floor. Craig sat and stared at family photos on the mantelpiece, shots of him growing up interspersed here and there. Old watercolours of the Australian countryside hung on the walls, horse-drawn carts and men with pitchforks, images of a world long gone. His mind tumbled with memories, not all of them welcome. This was the very couch he'd sat on when he was nine years old, and the police had told him that his parents were never coming back. The same couch he'd sat on numerous times after that, as the police told his great-aunt what mischief they'd picked him up for that time. The old oak dining table and chairs still stood in the corner where he had sat and scowled and ignored the counsellor the school had arranged. The counsellor had told him he had every right to be angry, but that he had no right to take it out on others. Was he seeking some kind of catharsis moving back here? Would he have really gone through with it if he hadn't met Kate again? His aunt came back carrying a tray with two tall glasses and a jug of cordial, ice cubes chiming around the top. The glasses had scuffed, swirling designs in green and red, the very same glasses he'd drunk from as a child. When I was a kid, there's nothing out here, Betty said as she poured. Just a few houses, this one included, dotted around on sheep stations. Slowly the farmers sold the fields and the developers built the houses and thousands of people moved in. She handed him a cool glass. But back in the day, we used to have a lot of Aboriginal folk around. They used to tell all kinds of tales about strange creatures. Craig took a long gulp, feeling ten years old again. You remember any of them? Betty nodded, her thin blue rinse hair like a halo of tiny clouds. Bits and pieces. One thing I remember is that none of them would go anywhere near the bush out west of here for any length of time. And they'd never stay out there overnight. Uh, where my house is now. They said the land there had some evil spirit. Something was trapped out there and it would haunt your dreams if you tried to sleep there. Drive you mad, they said, fending off your nightmares. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at Burrow.com ACAST, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Craig laughed. You're making this up. Betty's eyes were sad. I wish I was. They called it a dream shadow. Craig stood in the doorway, waving languidly. Kate backed her small Japanese hatchback off his faux red brick driveway, waving back and pulling faces. He laughed, exhausted, feeling the fatigue that could only come from fucking the way new lovers do. Kate leaned out the window as she reached the road. Call me tomorrow? He blew a kiss. Sure. Whatever it was last night, I'm sure it was just, you know, a random event. You probably scared it off. Kate's mouth opened in mock outrage. Fuck you! Tomorrow, I'm tired. With a laugh and a rev of the engine, Kate pulled away, pausing at the mouth of the cul-de-sac before disappearing towards the main road. Craig's eyes traced the half-moon of houses and neat front lawns. Newly rolled turf made geometric ladders of the nature strips, some of the two-story houses on the south side still unfinished blue tarpaulin covering wooden frames. He closed the front door and wandered into the lounge room, slumped onto the sofa, staring through glass doors into his garden. The night was silvery with moonlight, the lawn standing out while the borders sank in black shadows as the heat slipped out of the day. Was it a dream shadow he'd seen the night before? Was it anything? Maybe he had still been dreaming. Regardless, he was a talented dreamer and he could choose not to dream. Drive you mad feeding off your nightmares. Or maybe he wouldn't dream for a while. If it was real, he would starve it out. Let it go somewhere else. A pulse of shock washed ice through his groin as he stared at the shadow on his lawn. Lost in thought, he'd been staring at nothing, and there it was. 
staring back at him, jet black and featureless in the moonlight. Heart hammering, trembling from head to toe, he refused to look away. The thing had no eyes, no face, no detail, just solid blackness in a caricature of human form, yet he knew it was staring right at him. He sucked a long, slow breath in through his nose, swallowed the rising lump in his throat. The shadow stood and stared. Craig's shock and fear became a molten anger. He strode to the sliding doors, slamming one aside. Fuck off! The shadow stared. With a snarl of rage, he walked out into his garden, hands raised as if to slam two fists down onto the thing. This is my place now! As he drew within a metre of the shadow, close enough to feel a chill from it, it melted away into the grass. He stood, face twisted, his breath coming in short, furious gasps. The night was dark and warm, barely a breeze stirring the curtains at the open window. Craig lay on his bed, covers thrown aside, exhausted. He knew the thing was waiting out there. He was tempted to call Kate back, but that just made him feel stupid. She had work tomorrow. So did he, for that matter. He relaxed, concentrating on nothing but his breath, letting sleep come. Black, quiet, dreamless sleep. Stick to the plan. He would starve this thing out of his life, whatever it was. That was the simple solution. He stood in a wide-open paddock, lush grass swaying in a soft breeze. Bright sunshine bathed him. Something large and dark approached across the field. His heart began racing. This couldn't be happening. He could choose not to dream. He'd always been able to choose not to dream. He tried to blank out the thing approaching. It resolved into a huge creature, some cross between a bear and a dinosaur, all fur, scales, claws and teeth. He cried out, bringing his entire will to bear, trying to delete the thing from his dream. The creature grabbed him and lifted him high into the air. With a roar, it slammed him down. Pain lanced through his body. He could see into the creature's glowing eyes, and he knew that it would come for him every night. He knew that he couldn't stop it, couldn't change it. It was beyond his control. As a giant hand with black ragged claws swept through the air towards him, he screamed himself awake. Hours later, as dawn began to smudge the horizon with orange and grey, he sat on his bed, sobbing, exhausted after waking time and again, nightmare after nightmare. Whatever this was, it was in this place, and now he was in this place too. Ah, oh, Craig, you look awful! Craig smiled weakly. I had a bad night, Aunt Betty. I just need to sleep. What about work? Have you eaten? Let me make you some eggs, then you can sleep. I called in sick. Craig followed his aunt into the kitchen, sat heavily at the red and white formica-covered table. Betty busied herself taking crockery and ingredients from glass-panelled cupboards and an old fridge. Craig leaned on the table and laid his head on his arms. What kind of bad night? Betty asked as she whisked. His voice was muffled. This thing... Whatever it is, it attacks me in my dreams, gives me nightmares. All I can do is wake up. Betty was still for a moment. Maybe that's what drives people mad, the lack of sleep. 
He looked up, his eyes dark, desperate. What am I going to do? His aunt turned from the counter. Go somewhere else. The ancient toaster behind her skipped with a metallic twang, toast popping up. She turned and began buttering. This was supposed to be my dream, owning my own home. Betty scrambled eggs in a battered pan. Maybe some places aren't meant to be a home. Craig ate the eggs and drank some strong sweet tea, feeling better immediately, looked after and safe. This was the way home was supposed to feel. However many difficult, painful memories this house held, there were at least as many good memories. His aunt had been good to him, taken care of him, rebuilt his life here. No house was a home until memories had been made there. He went to the spare room, his old room, and collapsed onto a creaking metal-framed bed, familiar swirls of black ironwork standing over each end. He curled his fingers in a multicoloured, crocheted bedspread and closed his eyes. Sleep fell over him like a heavy cloak, quiet, dreamless sleep. Late afternoon sunlight washed pale through the net curtains over Betty's ancient stainless steel sink. A colourful knitted tea cosy covered a teapot between them on the table, tea leaves telling unknown fortunes in the empty cups. Oh, love, please don't. Aunt Betty, people have been making the land their own for hundreds of years now. Betty's eyes were wide, her brow creased. Craig, if this thing's real, you have to be careful. The way you were this morning... He shook his head. I refuse to give up my land. I've slept. I feel refreshed, ready. This ghost, or whatever it is, lives on my property. Betty looked down at her hands folded in her lap. Your property? Lines drawn on a map by some local council cashing in doesn't really make it yours. Huge debt with the bank doesn't really make it yours. People these days don't understand the land. We always used to live with the land. Nowadays people just live off it. You can't keep changing the land and not expect it to fight back. This morning I was exhausted, terrified. I can't change this thing in my dreams. I can't cast it out of my dreams. But they're still my dreams. Didn't you always teach me to fight for what's right? Sometimes it's more like that old country song, love. You gotta know when to fold them. Craig stood, bent to kiss his aunt. If I can't beat this thing, then maybe I will have to move, but not without a fight. He lay back on the bed, staring at the clean walls and ceiling of his bedroom, the unmarked mirrors of his built-in wardrobes. Everything so new. He unclenched nervous fists. Fear and anger were pushing aside his fatigue. His mind tumbled with random, unhinged images. Kate curled up beside him, one hand stroking his brow. From the corner of his eye he could see her worried frown. Craig, you're scaring me. Her eyes were sad. Is this real? Would I make up what I told you? And you can do this dreaming thing? Craig nodded. This is how I'll fight. I can't change this thing, whatever it is, but I control my dreams. I can fight it there and claim back my place. 
Come back to mine. Stay for a while and figure this out. Maybe you should just sell up. I can make that happen. He grinned, pinching her cheek. <laughs> you just want another commission. Kate shook her head, not in the mood to play. You're scaring me. I'm sorry. Watch over me. If I'm having a bad nightmare or something, wake me up. If I really can't fight it off, then we'll go back to yours and look into selling this house on. I don't like it. Me either. Why you? Craig frowned. What, what do you mean? Why is this thing attacking you? There are other people newly moved in around here too. Maybe because my dreams are stronger? A better feed for it? He tried to relax. He thought of nothing but his breathing, counting slow, five in, five out, letting Kate's gentle fingers soothe him. Leaves all around him flickered in a summer breeze, a sound like a child crying, drifting through the air. He braced his dream self, turned slowly to find the source of the sound. As he moved, the sound morphed, less a child crying, more a man moaning the low moan of someone in deep pain. In the leaf litter was a body, blood-covered. Behind the body was his fence, his garden, and house beyond. Stars scattered across the sky above his roofline, a half-moon bright in the cloudless night. The man on the ground raised one hand. Help me! You're not fooling anyone. Please help me! The man's other hand was pressed to his belly, sticky and wet with blood. With a sound of viscous protest, the man pulled his hand away and tried to sit. Craig swallowed. The man moaned again. Help me, please! Something out there, it's trying to kill me. Craig shook his head. You're not fooling me. The man turned his head and coughed, thick blood glistening across the leaves. He struggled to turn over, climbed to his hands and knees, but slumped forward. Craig stood his ground, trembling. With a growl of frustration, he took hold of his dreamscape and forced it to become a beach. The trees and scrub of the bush behind his house twisted and slid, sand and sea washed into being. I control this place, he said. The man on the ground remained unchanged, his blood now soaking blackly into the sand. Please, help me. Craig shook his head and walked across the sand. Drawing one leg back, he swung a kick at the man's head, clothing his foot in a heavy steel-capped boot as he did so. The boot drove the man's head up and back. He howled thickly and rolled over, clutching at shattered teeth. Craig turned and dropped one knee into the centre of his chest, splintering ribs like dry wood. You think you have all the power here? he yelled. The man's arms whipped up, sticky hands clawing. The hands became scaly taloned things, scrabbling for Craig's eyes, the damaged man growing and twisting into a giant hideous form. Craig straddled the creature and grabbed its wrists, pulling the hands away. He made himself huge, muscled like a comic book superhero, strong as Hercules. The creature tried to twist its wrists away from his grip, but he held it fast. It pulled downwards, shifting him off balance. With a cry of surprise, he let go and put his palms to the sand rather than fall face first onto the thing. 
Sand flowed over his hands, his feet and calves where he knelt, hardening like cement. He pulled back against the ground that held him. The creature sat up, wrapping its arms around his body, pulling him down into a clawing embrace, a long snout snap at his face. He changed the sand to water. Together they sank, spinning and twisting through cold darkness. The thing wrapped its legs around his, hugged his body close, pressed its broken face against his mouth. In watery billows of blood and bubbles, Craig thrashed. He dreamed great sharp knives into his hands and began stabbing and slashing at the thing's back. He could feel the knives driving in, rending flesh as the creature writhed, snapping. It drew blood from his face and shoulders, but he was past caring. His head felt swollen, his lungs burned. Desperate to take a breath, he changed the water to air thousands of feet above the land. Entwined like blood-soaked lovers, they fell through whistling nothingness. Still, he hacked and sliced the thing, carving great chunks of it away. He felt his own flesh parting, the creature tearing and clawing at his sides and back. He willed his body to grow again, clothed himself in armoured plates, renewing his efforts with the knives. The creature changed, its limbs thickening, elongating, squeezing Craig in, trying to crush the life from him. Pain pushed blackness past the edges of his vision. He saw the ground rushing up to meet them. Stabbing, hacking, slicing, he screamed his rage and spun in the air, putting the creature between himself and the ground. With a symphony of snapping wood, the treetops slammed against them and the land burst into them. The last thing Craig saw was the creature disintegrating into a million particles all around and through him. Craig gasped as his eyes opened. He felt strangely light, surreal. The rustling that he heard was dry leaves dancing in the breeze. He sat up and saw his fence, the roof of his house rising darkly above it. He laughed, elated. He had beaten it. Staggering to his feet, feeling battered by his exertions, he stumbled to the fence, clambered clumsily over it. He saw his bedroom window standing open before him, the curtains shifting gently. A shadow moved in the room beyond. Kate, I'm over here. I did it. His voice sounded muffled in his ears. The shadow resolved into the shape of a man, a second shape emerging behind. Suddenly, short of breath, Craig stared. The man approached the window, leaning heavily on the sill, turning the window and frame into a bizarre mirror. Kate pressed up behind the man, looking down at him, laying one hand across his shoulders, kissing his sandy hair. As the man split his own mouth in a laugh of triumph, Craig Thompson looked down at his black shadow hands and screamed. And that was Alan Baxter's Dream Shadows, as read to us by Graham Dunlop of Cast of Wonders fame and also Pseudopod. Link to his Twitter account will be in the show notes. And that will be our evening for this week here at Tales to Terrify. Come join us again next week for another edition of Tales to Terrify.
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.